Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I want to introduce today's guest, Amy Terry. She is a uh, partner and managing broker at 8Z Real Estate. So real estate is kind of bread and butter. We're going to talk about creating financial freedom at any income level. Um, We're going to talk about female leadership, abundance, and um, I'm really happy to welcome her to the show. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah. Uh, So kind of tell people your story and how you got started and uh, we'll get right into it. Sure. So I sort of fell into real estate. Um, I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, uh, was pre-law, studied criminology, interned with the DA, was always planning to go to law school. Um, But I also worked at a real estate office during school to pay bills uh, and kind of learned the ropes working for one of the top agents there. And then as I was graduating, I got accepted to law school and and sort of panicked if that's really the path that I wanted to take. And so I went to several people, but my boss included um, because I respected him. And he was like, you know, I'm busy. I could use the help. And why don't you do a year deferment on your law school and get your real estate license and see what you think of that? So that was a little over 18 years ago. And uh, things kind of took off and I never looked back. Yeah, interesting. I um. I remember the first day of medical school and very similar situation was, um, you know, two or three students, they sat in orientation and they're then, uh, you know, the next day they, they dropped out cause they're like, they don't want to do this and they don't want to get involved in this like rat race. But, um, what's interesting is, um, I was looking at this statistic and, you know, kind of incomes are kind of flatlined. And actually, if you look at just cost of living adjustment, it's going down because you got inflation and taxes. Um, even though incomes may be going up, but then the price of real estate is actually like skyrocketing. Like people can't afford homes and, you know, cost of living is getting out of hand. So you talk about creating financial freedom at any income level. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, um, you know, I stole this saying from someone else, but real estate isn't a get rich quick scheme, but it's a get rich for sure scheme. And so it's just taking, you know, I really try to encourage people as young as they possibly can to purchase real estate Um, because, you know, the best time to buy was yesterday. Uh, But also just it doesn't have to be your dream home. Just get your foot in the door in whatever market that you're in. Uh, You know, I bought my first property at 22. It was a short sale. My dad helped me fix up. And then a friend from college moved in and rented the spare bedroom. And at the end of the day, she was paying more a month than I was. And I owned the property. So from there, I was kind of hooked in like the power of real estate. 
So with younger clients, I'm always encouraging them to get their foot in the door. If they have a comfort level of roommates, that's a great way uh, in the beginning. Um, and then really try to keep everything that you've ever purchased. So I go on a lot of listing consults and talk my clients out of selling. Um, I walk into every appointment with also a rental estimate of what they could rent that property for, um, factoring in property management, all of that stuff. And then how do we leverage your equity to roll you into another property and keep this one? Um, so really it's, if you're buying housing to live in, obviously that's the best, you know, do it as soon as you can and then continue to hold on to those. Um, and that's where, you know, one of my favorite clients I met years ago, she was a single mom bank teller, uh, helped her buy a townhouse and she was really inspired by how many rental properties I owned. And I remember a couple of years later, she called me and she said, okay, I think I'm ready to buy rental property. So we start talking through it and obviously less down payment is required for a primary residence. The interest rate is better if it's a primary residence. Um, so we ended up finding her another townhome in the same community she was already in. She didn't really want to move her daughter. So moved to a bit, a little bit bigger unit, rented out the one she was living in, called me a couple of years later and she was ready to do it again. Um, so now she owns three townhomes in the same community. Um, her daughter's now headed to college and I'm helping her buy a condo where her daughter's going to college so that she can live there instead of paying rent during school. So again, this is over 15 years. So it's not, you know, it doesn't feel like a game changer out the gate, but now those properties are helping her put her daughter through college. It's retirement for her. Um, so that was a very long answer to your question, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's the reality is that people see these, like, to me, there's really no secret house hack to build wealth in real estate. It's just a slow, steady, smart investing game. Yeah. And I love it because you're basically the properties of real estate. So it's like appreciation and basically you get, um, it's capital efficient because you can cash flow it. And so you're basically, you know, kind of, um, generating cash you know, through the investment. You also get, you know, tax advantages. And, um, so it's all win-win and it's like, exactly like you said, it's like, it's like how you get, financially free is through this process and once you understand it um so kind of you're describing this the situation with uh, people buying homes versus investing in homes and it's it's a completely different uh, mindset and you know because everybody's on hgtv talking about you know my million dollar home but it's actually investment homes are different again it's the first step is, is owning where you're going to live, right? You don't want to be paying rent to anyone else. I even have a client that she feels like she's super priced out of the Denver market. She doesn't want to live anywhere that she can afford. I told her, okay, well then keep renting the place that you're renting, but then buy something and rent it out. You've got to own something. The people that keep waiting, thinking that if you know I save enough money, I can catch up to the market, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I told her, if you, you know, buy in an area of town that maybe you don't want to live, but you're going to own a property and start building equity and some cash flow, and then you can roll that into something eventually. But this waiting around on the sidelines is a horrible decision, especially in the Denver market. It just has not slowed down. It's like, um, yeah, I love that. And there are studies that show that home ownership is actually a, a way, like homeowners, you get more financially free. There's another question that um, I've uh, wanted to ask you is, um, you know, a lot of uh, millennials and uh, the younger millennials and uh, Gen Z, they 
they don't want to get tied down to a home. So they're, they're always renting, but then they'll um, get into stocks or, you know, a lot of the Gen Z, they uh, buy, you know, um, safe digital assets such as, you know, Bitcoin or other things. Um, and cause they want to be able to move and they don't want to get encumbered by mortgages. So talk about this uh, generational um, uh, gap. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a different mindset. Uh, and I do think, especially for them, they need to look at it as a investment um, and not something that's tying them down. Uh, I think kind of working through the numbers of what you're spending every month on housing in general um, and in breaking down how silly that is to be paying down someone else's mortgage versus purchasing your own. And then I think a lot of it, you know, typically people are held back by fear. So talking through whatever their fears are of why they don't want to purchase, and maybe it is because I do want to be able to pick up and move in a year or two years. Then you talk through, okay, well, here's your options if you do want to move. You can rent the property out. You can sell the property. Um, I know that's easy for me to say. It's something I do every day in and out, so it doesn't seem as intimidating. But I think just directly addressing those fears um, is really powerful. And at the end of the day, some people you're just not going to convince. You know, I always tell people, invest in what you're comfortable in. And for me, housing is what I'm comfortable in. And for me, I enjoy having something tangible. Um, things like Bitcoin scare me that, you know, it's all on a computer screen and could all go away one day. Um, even if the housing market crashes, which I don't foresee, I still have a tangible asset I can drive by and, and see. And there's some value there. Yeah, I think it's really just talking through people's fears. Uh, and then at the end of the day, all I can do is provide the information and they have to make decisions for themselves of what makes most sense. But yeah, a lot of it sometimes with my first time buyers, they're just scared of the idea of a mortgage. But I just ask them, I'm like, when's the last time you missed a rent payment? You know, you still have the same responsibilities. You're just paying down your own mortgage versus your landlords. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, and I mean, real estate is very like if you do it correctly, it's very safe. It's safe, slow, and as you said, it's a surefire way. Um, it's kind of like what you described in the beginning, um, and it's always most of the extremely successful entrepreneurs I've interviewed, almost all of them had real estate as a component. It may not be like hundred percent, but they mm -hmm. had you know rental properties and they got in because that's kind of like safe, secure, hard assets, cash flow. And then, you know, some of them do other things such as um, they have businesses like digital businesses. They live anywhere. And, um, you know, these have higher margins and returns, but like I said, if those business go away, they still have the real estate. So uh, this is interesting. What is the biggest concern or worry about the real estate industry today? So this, this changes a lot over time. I do think one of my biggest concerns is affordability. You know, we're living in a world where the rich seem to get richer and the poor get poorer. And there's a, a huge discrepancy um, and home ownership is a huge factor in someone's overall wealth. Uh, so that's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that we're working through with education in different communities. We also have a program called Keys for Life, um, which grants uh, money towards down payment or closing costs if that you know helps people make that bridge um, to home ownership. But yeah, I think we need to be getting, you know, real estate can create generational wealth and it can also create generational poverty when you have generations of families that never buy property. 
um, and are never educated in the benefits of owning property. You know, you run into certain communities where they've either, either it's just not even on their radar or they've been told horror stories of owning property. Um, so that's something that I am passionate about and concerned about. I don't want all the property in, in certain hands. Um, and in Denver, it is tough. I mean, our, um, the demand to live here has gotten so high, and especially with the pandemic, when people realized they could work remotely, they wanted to live by the mountains. Um, so for me, I grew up here, and you know, I have a lot of people I grew up with, first responders, teachers, that it's really tough for them to own property. Um, so yeah, I think affordability is something that we definitely need to think about, and um, I feel like as a brokerage, we're addressing. The other you know, short-term concern is interest rates in general. There's no perfect timing in the market, but it's a tough, it's a tough conversation when you look at what payments are right now. I mean, they're literally more than double what they were a couple of years ago for the same loan amount. And in Colorado, we, you know, prices are pretty flat. You know, surprisingly, we haven't seen a strong reaction to the raise in payments. So yeah, I do think, you know, I'm having conversations, particularly my first time buyers, like I think now is a really good time to get into the market. We are able to negotiate more than we have been in the last four to five years. Uh, and I truly believe when interest rates come down, the a lot of the people on the sidelines are going to jump back in and we're going to be back in multiple offer situations. Um, so lock in that price now. And if rates come down, you refinance. If they don't, at least you're in a property. But yeah, I think that's interest rates are like huge part of all of our conversations right now, obviously. And I don't know. I think I, I'm, I'm expecting to see rates come down by next summer, mostly because it's an election year. Um, but I've been very surprised this year of how rates have gone. So I, I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. Uh, the zero interest rate policy times, that's a, that's an interesting debate. I've, I've talked to people, they're like, you like waiting for rates to come down. And then I, I talked to other people, they're saying, um, you know, the past, um, past uh, 14 years of almost zero interest rates that's that was kind of like just the because of the great financial crisis and now we're going back to um, higher rates which is mm -hmm. a sign of a stronger economy and you know higher rates may be here for longer they may adjust little, little by little unless we get like another like a COVID or a black swan or like a Lehman or you know some big you know credit event or liquidity event or some you know some big shock to the system. What is interesting is um, there's also this other thing where you talked about home ownership, and I have I have actually physician colleagues where they view uh, home ownership as a liability, and they basically um, they don't own the doctor home; they basically uh, rent, but they invest in real estate as assets. So they so they have real estate, but then they rent, um, which is quite interesting uh, how people are you know kind of viewing assets and kind of ownership. Um, but uh, I think what you're talking about, home ownership as a way to wealth for um, generations that didn't come from it, you know, that's kind of the vehicles for it. Um, the other question is, so you're talking about uh, your, your leader and what's a common myth about a career in real estate? There's a few, you know, it's interesting. I, I obviously I mentor agents and, and I'm hiring agents and I interview with a lot of agents. And, and one of the first questions I always ask is why, why real estate? What interests you in real estate? Uh, and it's funny to me, I get a lot of, well, I really like looking at houses, which is really a very tiny part of the job. Um, or I love the flexibility of it. 
uh, I will say that is probably the biggest uh, myth about real estate. If you think of it as, I mean, the way I do truly is your client is your boss. So you have many, many bosses. Um, I think there's flexibility in the sense of when you work and where you work from, but you are on call. If you're a good agent and you're ready to hustle and you want to build a, a great business, you're on call 24 seven. Uh, you know, you can't really time real estate. You can't time when the right property comes up. You can't time when people are ready to do something and you have to be ready to jump when they are. Um, so yeah, I don't, I wouldn't trade it, uh, but I've never been on a vacation. I didn't work. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone through a whole weekend where I'm not, you know, at least on the phone or computer working. Um, so I think that myth about it being super flexible is is different because the hard thing is you can't ever really turn it off. Um, so I think there's not as much flexibility as people think. I think also I've never hired an agent and they've said that it was easier than they thought it was going to be. Um, I think building a database and building a client database that trusts you is it's strenuous and it takes time and You've got to put yourself um, out of your comfort zone and there's a lot of rejection. So, yeah, I think a lot of people see it's easy money or think that it's easy money. And then also I think a piece of it is people see, you know, the amount that's on that settlement statement at closing. We don't get to take all that home. So, you know, I don't get into that much with clients, but the reality is, is, you know, 30% right off the top goes to taxes. Then most brokerages take a split and that could be as high as 50% of that. And then you have all your other expenses. You know, you've got um, your office, you've got health insurance, you've got if you have any kind of support staff, your marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So I think people see that big number at the closing table and think we're just raking it in. But um, at best, we're taking home maybe 50 percent of that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of, of myths around it. And and I I'm hoping that. I'm excited that this market is getting tougher. Um, I think it's going to thin the herd. There's been so many people that have gotten their license in the last three or four years that, in my opinion, have no business selling real estate. And um, I think buyers and sellers are going to become more discerning um, as far as who they hire. And, you know, one of our goals as a brokerage is to raise the level of professionalism in our industry. And so I'm excited to hopefully be able to do that and you know, I have a skill set that I haven't used in four or five years because it was literally who could get an offer in the fastest and highest. And so there was no negotiating. There was no, you know, getting through inspection items and appraisals. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get back into the nitty gritty of it and use a skill set that I haven't. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't think it's as easy as everyone assumes. And it it's not necessarily as lucrative. It can be. It can be an amazing career. Um, but the average agent is not making what everyone sees on million dollar listing. So everything it's like it's just like it's just like ER. Uh, everybody assumes you know doctors are you know really interesting. Kind of uh, talk about and then you know kind of round it out is um, you know I can my read on you is you're an introvert and um, but uh, and they say that you know introverts um, struggle with leadership and sales. But that's you know uh, you know after reading and talking to a lot of people, there's. You know, introverts have their strengths. So how can you be successful in sales as an introvert? And and what advice would you have people interested in a career in real estate? And how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah. I think traditionally, when you think of sales and leadership, people do think of um, more extroverts. Uh, and I think it also depends on kind of your definition of extroverts and introverts. I think really, I mean, I'm a true introvert in the sense that I recharge alone. 
um, that that interacting with people is while I enjoy it is draining for me. Draining. <laughs> yeah. So a big part of that is just being aware of that and making sure that you're giving space for yourself to recharge um, so that you can be fully present. I think part of it is that you do also have to get out of your comfort zone just with any any job. You're going to have to do things you maybe don't want to do. Um, but I think for me, when my business really shifted is when I started viewing myself as a consultant versus a salesperson, which is really what I am. I'm not selling anyone anything. I'm helping them make decisions around real estate. And when you make that mental switch, then you don't feel like you have to be this like salesy on person. I'm just really here to share my knowledge with you and help guide you through the process. Uh, and also just, again, creating a, a level of professionalism. I mean, one of the biggest drivers in my business is I do an annual real estate review with all of my clients, just like they would do an annual, you know, checkup with their doctor um, or financial advisor. Uh, so that's something, you know, my my assistant reaches out, schedules that appointment. I sit down with them. We go over their assets. We go over their goals. Um, and that's a really powerful tool. Um, so I do think there's a lot of ways to be really successful in sales. It's just the biggest thing I think is doing what's genuine to you. Cause I think people can feel when you're being fake, when you're doing something with an end goal of getting a deal. Um, I try to do everything with a servant's heart and how can I provide value to this person? Um, and I think that makes a huge, huge difference. So, yeah, I think that's, Again, there's a lot of ways to be successful in this industry, and I think it's finding what's right to you. And then the biggest piece, honestly, is consistency. A lot of people get jazzed about something they're doing, and they do it for three months and give up. Um, so, yeah, it's also just creating systems for yourself and, and being really consistent. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, how, how can people contact you, check out your social media, check out your following, um, and uh, you know, check out your brokerage? Yeah. So if you're interested in our brokerage, it's 8z.com, the number eight, letter Z is in zebra. And kind of the story behind that is all the zip codes in Colorado start with the number eight. And we're a Colorado-based homegrown brokerage. Um, me specifically, I'm just Amy Terry at 8z.com. Um, and then uh, Instagram is probably where I am most active, um, which you can find me at Amy Terry 8z Realtor. Um, and from there, you have a link tree and all kinds of ways to connect with me. Awesome. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. You know, like, like I said, real estate is bread and butter. Uh, so many different ways to make it. And, and uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.